This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Xero. As an accountant, when you join Xero, you'll gain access to a full range of practice management tools so you can manage your practice and your clients from almost anywhere. To learn more about building a better practice with Xero, visit cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash join Xero. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash J-O-I-N-X-E-R-O. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And I'm Laurelyn Wilson. Laurelyn, it's so great to hear your voice. I, I, <laughs> well, we're Twitter friends and I've never met you in person or heard your voice. And now here we are on the podcast. Yes, I'm a real person. I'm not an avatar. I'm not a Russian bot. I'm a girl. I do exist. Because I, I was thinking it is possible that you're like some 300 pound dude in his mom's basement. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen me yet, though. So that's still a possibility. <laughs> I tried to introduce you to it, uh, Cooper's Connect last year, but you know, you know how that stuff goes. Actually, it was a failure of me. I always thought a lot more people knew who Blake was, and we'd be in a situation. I we'd be standing there talking to people, and I would never introduce Blake. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought they just knew him. I, so it was like totally rude behavior. It, 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 and you know, I probably do it to my wife. It's embarrassing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, Laura Lynn, it's awesome to have you here. Thank you. What's going on in your your world outside of Cloud Accounting? Anything exciting happening? Outside of Colorado Accounting, you know, just gearing up for summer with the kids, getting ready to hit up ZeroCon here in a couple of weeks. And yeah, nothing much outside of that. I guess we should say you are a CPA, right? I sure am. And you're working in public accounting? like what, what? Um, So I, I have a business partner and we own a practice together. And Got so it. we kind of do that fixed fee model where we do accounting and tax for small businesses. All right. Any type, particular type of small business you like working with? Um, kind of by accident, we've niched in more the real estate realm, but we also have some other random clients who do some cool stuff. Like one of my clients literally designs icons. So on like Snapchat and stuff or on Instagram, when you're all those icons he designed. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Yeah. What, what, that's super niche. Yes. <laughs> but now we know where to go when we, we, we need cloud accounting icons. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking. <laughs> We, we have an inside track. Um, we did get a review. Should we uh, jump in and read that? Yeah, let's read that. It's five stars. It's from El Barto 19. Um, solid and thought provoking. I've been listening to this podcast from about episode 45-ish. The content being reviewed is always on point. David and Blake do a great job in sharing all of what's what within the industry. What makes these episodes gold is the perspectives being shared by both, which use their past experiences and current passions to deliver solid takes. Highly recommend this weekly listen. Awesome. Thank you, Elbarto. And I don't know who that is in real life. So if you're on Twitter, Elbarto, raise your hand and let us know. Yeah, <laughs> really appreciate it. And if you want to uh, give us a review on iTunes, super helpful, helps uh, expand our reach and find more accountants to listen to the show. You can go on iTunes and or Apple Podcasts because they're getting rid of iTunes. Did you hear about that, David? Yes, I actually have some Apple news in one of my stories. Oh, awesome. We could get into. We'll talk about that. But um, what should we start with, Laurel? And what is like, what is hot in your mind? Okay, for me personally, one of the things that's hot is people switching to using cloud accounting for tax prep. And so the first story here that springs to mind is the Canopy tax prep with practice management. So it's just Canopy has released um, their an online tax prep that kind of uh, integrates with their other practice management type stuff. And the reason that's interesting to me is, so I use Intuit Pro Connect mm-hmm. with our practice and that has a really nice push with uh, QBOA. And so we have all of our clients on QBO. We use their trial balance features and then we can push 
all their business information really easily into, into ProConnect. And the problem I'm seeing right now is there's not any other integration between an accounting platform like that and an online platform that does that that well. Got it. Because I know you can download and upload. And so I was kind of poking around their website and looking. I'm like, well, what kind of integrations do they offer? And still, I don't know anything that exists like that out there, which is... And then that kind of ties into more like kind of this, you know, all the kerfuffle about QuickBooks Live and some of the QBO people being like, well, I'm going to switch to zero. And in my head, I'm like, that QBOA... Uh, into a ProConnect uh, integration is just way too good for me to switch. Interesting. So, it, I mean, how can you? How much time does it save you to have that integration? It's it's taking the trial balance and yes, and pushing yeah. It, well, right? and to give you yeah, and to give you a perspective of what we had to do before, we used to have to download out the trial balance, upload it into engagement, which was a CCH program, do all the adjusting earnings entries there, and then re-hand type into our system all the tax return information and then manually post the journal entries into QBO. Got it. So that was that was on an easy, straightforward retur- business return, probably about six hours. Wow. Whereas wow. with the, the QBOA um, ProConnect push, it's about an hour. So <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of time. Wait, so, so yeah. what is this? So Canopy is practice management for tax firms or firms that focus mm-hmm. on tax primarily, right? So now they've released this tax prep product. How does that change the game for you? You know what? Until they're able to do some type of connect or push, mm-hmm. like between you know QBOA or even zero, I'm like, this is not a product I would even consider using. Well, I think it's just personal taxes as well, right? You cannot do business tax returns with this. Well, why though would you release a professional tax prep software and then leave out business returns? No, I think that's, I don't think that's right. Uh, as, we, as you kind of talk about this, like, don't forget, we've talked about uh, Canopy before in the past. They, they had that huge layoff. They were kind of really growing like crazy. And like, in a way, this software is late, right? I think mm-hmm. they thought they'd have this out in time for the tax season. Oh, and here I am actually looking further down to the article. The software is currently available to file individual tax returns in 24 states. And then for the 2019 they're expanding some of the business ones into eight states. So this isn't even like a nationwide. Right. So it's a slow rollout. rollout. It's like a, a beta type product. It reminds me of how Gusto rolled out, right? Gusto wasn't originally in 50 states. It started in California, payroll, and then they gradually went into like 12 of the big states. And then eventually, finally, after many years, got everywhere. Yeah, some of their features, though, like are are pretty cool. And so I would like to see ProConnect take their kind of platform and if they could make it more like this with kind of the tax resolution and some of those other items, that would be very interesting and very useful. Interesting. Or even on the other side, the the ProConnect uh, platform, right? Or mm-hmm. the soft software like Canopy to connect through APIs to QuickBooks, right? Or to ProSeries, right? It's, so that way you can you can move that, that data from, if you can still use QBOA, but you can mm-hmm. send your data to Canopy if you're a Canopy user, right? Yeah, or even Zero. I mean, I think uh, I've heard from a little birdie that Zero had no plans or has no plans to go into the tax prep service in the U.S. But like, if they could form partnerships with a company and create that mm-hmm. integration, that would be a game changer. I think. Yeah. Because, I, like I said, right now I won't even consider Zero until they're able to do something like that. Because yeah, Zero has that in Australia, and then I think that Zero acquired a company similar to Canopy in the UK to kind mm-hmm. of have that, that end to end thing, which I always, I agree. I think it's a very huge competitive advantage because nobody wants to have 
systems that don't talk to each other. Exactly. So if you can have a full end-to-end solution, it, it's a it's a huge benefit, and it's it's very it's a competitive advantage for Intuit for sure in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, speaking of uh, Intuit ProConnect, David, you have a poll here that was on the ProConnect website. So I saw a poll that's on the ProConnect website. It just went out today. And I think there's just a lot of people like me that are like, I wonder what the results are. So they just click zero to 10%. <laughs> and so right now, nobody's done the poll. So I think if we could share it and people do the poll, as I find like the poll, I'll just read the title of the poll. The poll is, what percentage of your firm's revenue comes from advisory services? And I feel like this, we're in the summer of advisory. It's all the accounting conferences are going to be talking about. So I thought this was like, oh, this is an awesome question. This would be a great story. I clicked on it. There's no results yet. So we'll get that in the show notes and we'll see. Uh, I just what, I just took the poll and I think maybe three of us have taken it so far because it's 66. <laughs> and point, Blake and David are two of them. <laughs> so it's 66.67% are zero to 10% and then 33.33% are 11 to 20%. And nobody is over 20%. So uh, we'll share it in the show notes and hopefully our listeners will go and vote in this poll and we'll actually be able to see how much revenue are firms earning from advisory services now? Because it's probably not that much, right? Well, hopefully it's more than zero to 10%, which is winning the poll by far right now. Well, I think, so I think part of the problem with advisory services is that uh, actually a lot of firms and a lot of partners are doing it. And Laurel, and I'd love to hear what you think. They're just not charging for it, right? They're charging for the tax return and then they're giving advice to their clients, but like that's not, that's not part of what their clients are paying for now. And it's, well, yeah. 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 Well, so with us, we do kind of the standard accounting and tax prep on a fixed fee, but that fixed fee is uh, priced at a premium. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, built into that is they know they can reach out to us anytime and ask us stuff. And so it's like we are charging for it, but it's not something that's line itemed out in our engagement with them. And does that include like plant tax planning in there or is that separate? Yeah, no, nope, that's, that's in there. rolled in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're you're basically mm-hmm. already. Do you call it advisory? Do you think of it that way? Uh, we just call it consulting. Mm-hmm. You know, unlimited consulting, and then they just know that anytime they can ping us, and we'll help them out with whatever they have a question on. And it's not, and it's not necessarily, you know, only tax or only books. It can be for a wide variety of things. They'll be like, oh, I'm I'm thinking of doing this new venture. Give me your thoughts on that. So it's it's pretty loose and wide. Got it. There's a tweet related to advisory this week too, right? I think. Yes, yes. This was from uh, at the big four tweets. who's a hilarious accountant you should always follow, but kind of following the same vein. It's he tweeted, "I still have no idea what advisory does." And it got 228 <laughs> likes and 56 retweets, which is a lot for an accounting tweet, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, I've been probably thinking far too deeply on this tweet, but it's it's hard to define because for everyone, it's going to mean something different. Like I was thinking in our firm a lot of the type of stuff people ask us for advice on, so we do the advisory or consulting, whichever you want to call it, is a lot of it's tax related, even though the majority of our time is spent doing their accounting work. But for someone who say is just a bookkeeper, they're not going to be doing tax advisory type stuff. So that's going to look completely different for them. So I think that's why it's hard to kind of define it. Yeah, it's different. And oh, I just had an advisory moment uh, this week. I have one uh, client that I still work with on the side and she had an employee quit. And so she called me and said, you know, what do I do? This employee quit. How, you know, should I, should I pay her for these days when she wasn't in the office because she hadn't yet officially quit and was taking, you know, quote unquote, personal time. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm here now I'm a CPA and I'm like, how do I 
CYA, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not an HR professional. And so I'm like, well, I can't really tell you that. You should probably call your lawyer. And then she just stops me. And she's like, dude, just tell me what you would do if you were in my situation. Like, well, I guess I can say theoretically, like, if this were me in a hypothetical situation, what would I do? And that's, I'm doing advisory right there, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm saying like, well, if it was me, I would rather just pay her through the end of the period and not have to deal with any potential legal problems, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I'm, you know, going to get in (laughs) trouble, but like that was an advisory moment for me. And that's what, you know, I charge a fixed fee and that's what she, uh, she, she, you know, expects to get that kind of advice. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about that Twitter uh, chain was it, it was a uh, I mean that's kind of a sarcasm Twitter account is that correct the big four yes, account absolutely. okay mm-hmm. and, and and people were posting sarcastic remarks back even myself I posted like hey maybe there's some accounting conferences this summer that'll mm-hmm. teach you how to do it and and it quickly subchained into people really criticizing the conferences and their one hour we'll teach you what to do in an hour type sessions to people are grassrooting a real conference of some type to really get trained in advising. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have very, I almost never see like in-depth sessions on how to do advisory. It's always like this very high level thing and you can't take that home and actually do something with it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the nature of a lot of conferences anywhere. It's kind of this big macro level bird's eye view of stuff, but I think to actually get value of it, you actually have to, you know, create some sessions where you're actually workshopping. Cause that's one thing I found, like just, I haven't been to many conferences, but the couple I have been to, everyone is really just curious to know what everyone else is doing. They're like, well, how do you do mm-hmm. it? What, what do you charge? How do you, what tech stack do you use? And so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe in the future going forward, maybe some conferences kind of pivot more toward that model. Cause I think that's what people really want. Yeah. I like that. Hey, so uh, I've got some follow-up from some stories uh, in past weeks. Here's one on FreeFile. So we haven't heard about FreeFile in a while. The whole Intuit um, uh, fiat. It took a week off It took a week, week off, right? Um, ProPublica didn't come out with any new stories implicating Intuit in some dark marketing tactics or whatnot. But The Hill mentioned that House lawmakers this week have dropped the free file provision from the IRS bill that is working its way through Congress. It almost made it all the way through. It got through the House, it was in the Senate, and then this whole free file thing happened, uh, and now they've dropped it. So they're going to pass this IRS bill, but without the free file provision that would have enshrined the program forever in law. So probably uh, I think I think that the odds are uh, likely that this program will either just continue to be renewed year to year or could eventually be eliminated. <laughs> That's the news from the hill from the hill. Uh, and another IRS story here is you'll like this. The IRS decided this is a story in the Journal of Accountancy that on June 28th, it's going to stop faxing tax transcripts. <laughs> yeah. Did you say start or no, stop? Stop. They 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 adopted the modern technology of the fax, apparently, uh, many years ago and have been using it until now. And uh, to prevent um, to protect against identity theft, they're going to stop faxing transcripts to taxpayers and professionals. And you're going to have to now go on the IRS website or use their app or call a phone number or submit a paper form in order to get transcripts sent to you. Uh, they will only send them to you electronically or via mail. And, and if you're a third party, you can't get them mailed directly to you now. They have to go to the address of record. So a small step toward more security when it comes to our personal information. 
I wonder uh, how utilized that system was. The fact like, maybe it hasn't been used in four years, uh, and they're like, we should just get rid of that. Now. All, I, all I know <laughs> is that, like, we when I was in uh, when I was at Armenino, we burned up the fax lines. And that was pretty. Re- that, that was, was, was within the three years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I did not. I, I have not um, dealt with a fax in a long time. Thank goodness. <laughs> knock on wood. Let's see. Let's see. I kind of have an update, a related update, to something from last week. All right. So remember last week when I was talking about how my QuickBooks Online price went up? Yes. Okay. So I did find an article here. Uh, I'm just going to read from the article, and then I'm going to kind of let you guys uh, take a guess of when this article was written. Okay. Into it, like every other cloud-based software maker earns more money when you subscribe to its online products. It, it gives the company a continuous, almost guaranteed revenue stream, which not only boosts the recurring cash flow, but also its market valuation, which can now be more accurately determined using similar multiplier formula used to value cable companies, utilities, accounting firms, and any other business with recurring revenue stream. And it gives software companies the ability to control their future revenues too. What stops Intuit from raising the monthly price of QuickBooks Online Essentials to XXX per month? Sure, you can yell, but how far will it get you? You're stuck. You're not going to go through the cost and disruption to move your accounting system, are you? Just to save a measly $10 a month, right? Now multiply that $10 per month by Intuit's millions of customers. Ka-ching! And the the second to last paragraph in this article says, look for the continued growth of small business cloud applications. Look for more PR from the software industry telling us all the benefits of the cloud. But just remember that you're not choosing a cloud application. The choice is being made for you. So would you two care to guess when that article was written? Uh. <laughs> oh, gosh, since you primed it like that, I'm going to say it's something crazy, like nine, like 2010 or something. Yeah, I mean, it, for, well, it mentions that Intuit has online products, so it's got to be like within the last 15 years. And so, so I left out the price. So it said um, if it increases the price to $36.95 for QuickBooks Online Essentials. Well, what price? $36.95. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go like do prices right. And I'm going to go one year earlier than Laurelyn. So she said 2010. <laughs> I'm going to go 2009. 2009. Okay. So this is an article from Gene Marks in 2015. Oh, okay. And so. Well, that's, this, that's not I very just, shocking. It's not shocking, but it's this pretty much that was uh, in 2015. This is not an article from. Last uh, three oh, weeks, see, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, where all the price increases. increases so your, are your point is that right? the the price increases have just been very happening gradually over the last four years. Well, well, it's, I, I, the point is, is it was inevitable, right? This is going to happen, and it probably will keep happening, right? Mm-hmm. But I think right? until people stop subscribing, like the prices are just going to keep increasing. Eventually, until it's going to figure out, like, okay, here's well, the yeah, maximum you could possibly a market charge equilibrium, for which is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think what Intuit needs to remember too is like obviously a lot of people have been mad about QuickBooks Live is people make decisions based on emotion and then they justify it with logic. So yes, people will have a breaking point and it will be, I don't care how much work it is to migrate all my clients off this program. You've, you've, you've done me wrong. You've pissed me off. And I could see a lot of bookkeepers out there, you know, hitting that point at some point and being like, I don't care how much work it is. I'm done with you. Yeah. Well, we're already starting to see that, you know, bubble up in Facebook forums and on Twitter. And, but, you know, it's, it's a small group of people online complaining, right? And so it must not be enough to, uh, to stop it. Yeah. I, but, but I think it's, it's happening more than I've ever seen. It. And, 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 and the proof of that is it was happening four years ago. So somewhere it's hitting a psychological barrier of too high. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, so I mentioned the IRS no longer faxing and modernizing in that respect. Uh, the CPA exam is also modernizing. I unfortunately did not have the benefit of taking the exam when it was given all in one day on paper. Every time I talk to people over a certain age, like that's what they tell me. And I'm like, okay, I got to hear this story again, right? <laughs> but it was inconvenient in that uh, you had to, well, currently you have to take the exam during a testing window. You have to wait seemingly forever to get your results. And then you can't retake a section until you get your test results. And then you have to like wait until the next window. Yeah, but then you're also on the ticking time clock. Uh, which is like what you got to do it all within two years or something or or it might even be 18 months it might be less than two years yeah so now um, this is an article in going concern uh, uh, talking about how beginning in June 2020 NASBA is planning to roll out continuous testing which means that there will no longer be test window limitations and you can retake a test section as soon as your grade for any previous attempt has been released so basically, it's going to get rid of that like window, which why do they need that these days, right? I don't, theoretically, you don't. So. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't even understand. I think all two essays are gone out of the CPA exam. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong on that. But I never understood why in the sections where there were no essays, why you couldn't get your results. Yeah, I took the first part of the EA exam before I switched over to the CPA exam. And that okay. exam is amazing because you take it and you press submit and you get your result like right there. Yeah. You're sitting there in the test center and you can either like celebrate or cry. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to wait <laughs> yes. six weeks losing yeah. your hair. So like if they can do that for the EA exam, why can't, like you said, why can't they do that for the CPA exam if it's all uh, just multiple choice or if it's, you know, even if it's simulations, like they can grade that spreadsheet. Right. Automatically, yeah. theoretically. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. We're moving forward, guys. We're making progress as a profession. Finally, finally, finally. <laughs> so, David, that means you can you can sit for the CPA exam now. Yeah, I have some time on my hands this the next, this week. I'll, I'll, I'll put that, that to my to do list here. <laughs> you have to suffer um, with the rest of us. You know, one of us. Can I real time tweet it as I'm taking um, the test? I don't know. You might get kicked out of the Prometric exam center. We could try it. We could try it. Um, what else do you have, Laura Lynn? Okay, this is from uh, France. You know, I feel like these are popping up every week. We have another startup raising all this money to do some type of AI accounting automation program. So this one, so it's, if we were in America, I'd call it George's. But I think since this is France, it might be Georges. But it's, you know, another another company raised $11.2 million. And uh, I pulled this quote from it. It's not, this, it's not perfect. So you will still have to manually categorize some transactions, but it's still much faster than entering each transaction in an accounting application. Once everything is tagged properly, Georges generates paperwork and sends it to tax authorities. That right there almost <laughs> gave me a heart attack. Back to eleven point two million in VC money. That is amazing! Oh. Amazing. Oh. Yeah. Well, I was like. I've seen people do their books and I'm like, and it's just going to take all that and call it good and send it off to the tax authorities. Laurel, and you can just send all your clients to Georges and just, you know, sit at <laughs> home and um, uh, just, just hang out. Yeah. They don't need, they don't need this. Yeah. And then what made me wonder is back to, you know, back with the whole bot keeper thing, how much is AI and how much is humans? Right. Good question. So. Well, the quote up top is great. I'm, I'm not, I mean, this is, this is the problem with mainstream press, right? Um, this, this article in TechCrunch starts out with um, 
The second sentence is, quote, with Georges, you can get rid of your accountant altogether and switch to a software as a service product. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, let's get rid of the, yeah, get rid of the, it gets rid of the accountants altogether. And maybe something got lost in translation here, but even so, what stood out for me is a lot of these companies are coming up and I, they're doing what I would argue is bank feed accounting, right? People that have very, very simple businesses, they just have a debit card and they get bank statements, bank feeds, and then they're auto categorizing it, which is really what QuickBooks and Zero already do. Well, more like but, um, QuickBooks um, self-employed, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, these are kind of QuickBooks self-employed yeah. plays. Yeah, I, I would agree. There's millions and millions um, of those businesses, right? So I, this is not, Laurel, and I, I mean, I'd imagine that you probably don't have a ton of that kind of client, right? That's just cash basis business, yeah, no. like Schedule C. No. Yeah, no, no, no. We don't, pro probably almost none of them. It's at all primarily S-Corps and partnerships. But I mean, some of these, it's like doctors, architects, lawyers. I'm like, what, what, What's funny about that sentence, they say they focus on one type of company in particular, people working on their own as freelancers, comma coaches, comma doctors, comma architects, comma lawyers. Like lawyers can't do bank feed accounting. Like, no, they, they have to, not. <laughs> they have to track the uh, trust accounts. Like it, it's, it's, I don't know if this just got lost in translation when the news came to America. No, this is from their pitch deck, right? They're trying to make up. their total addressable market yeah. as large as possible for the VCs. So that's how you <laughs> that's how you get eleven million dollars. Let's make an accounting firm sound super sexy and get a bunch of money. I could do that. I'll do that. Someone give me eleven All right. million. So Laurel and I'm gonna reach it to you after we're gonna make our pitch deck and we're gonna go raise ten million dollars for our startup that will do accounting, and then we will just um, flee the country. Yeah, we'll throw some automation like lingo in there, automation, machine learning. Yeah. <laughs> so Apple had big news this week, right? There was like, they released like a $20 billion computer system and all this other stuff they announced, like the new iPad, your oh, the cheese grater stuff. The cheese grater, I think, is what the computer looks like. The new, <laughs> the new uh, Mac Pro, is that what they call it? Like, looks like um, a giant cheese grater. And they don't they have a monitor with a thousand dollar stand? If you buy it without the stand, if you need the stand, it's a thousand dollars to buy a monitor stand. That is a great example of value pricing right there. Because you really need that stand, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I, I guess it supports the typical you could bring your own stand. So it's not right, like yeah, it's but then it won't match. But it if won't you want match the, look, the cheese grater. You want the, exactly. You know? Exactly. And it's really important when you buy like I I have this little like adapter for my uh, Macs that I can plug in my USB microphone that I'm using right now because, of course, the new Macs only come with USB-C, not normal USB, uh, just so they could make it like a few millimeters thinner. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, originally I ordered the wrong color and that was really bugging me. So now I have the one that matches my Mac exactly. And I think that same principle, right, is what they're using for this stand that costs $1,000 is, you know, you just got to, it's got to look right if you're spending that much money. So, so you know Apple, what's going to happen, George is going to have all these problems. <laughs> Every employee yep. gets one. No kidding. Hardly <laughs> onboarding. So, so in that slew of all this Apple news that came out there, there was something that actually affects all of us as cloud accountants. What is it? Especially the app developers. So, Apple is coming out with something called sign in with Apple. So, just like they're signing with Facebook, they're signing with Google, they're signing with Intuit. I think doesn't Zero have a single sign on as well? Uh, something. Yeah, they've Maybe. got some sort of single sign on now. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, Apple changed their developer guidelines. So, if you want to have a store, in, or I'm sorry, an app in the Apple Store, if you use any other third party sign in, 
So this is going to be every single app that's on apps.com for QuickBooks that uses sign in with Intuit will now have to add sign in with Apple to their app. Oh, or they can't wow. be in the Apple store. Well, so they're, they're going to instantly become the biggest single sign-on provider through, because of that. Yes. So tomorrow, so this is interesting, right? Because tomorrow, all well, not tomorrow, but in tomorrow's world, everybody's going to be able to use sign-in with Apple for all these cloud apps we use. I'm really surprised they haven't done this sooner because this is, this is going to solve so many problems for apps, like having to have a password manager and log in to like hundreds of apps and if 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 apple just saves uh or just links these apps to my apple id i no longer have to sign into them i no longer even have to create a password for them that's going to be great for i mean there's obviously downsides to that but it's going to be great i think for the average consumer and this was squished at the very 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 bottom of some developer release notes Mm. like teeny so it's huge new it's a huge announcement that just got brushed under the rug. Um, and I think this is, you know, Apple's playing up this big privacy game. Yeah. This is, this is a direct right at Facebook and right at Google. Like they, they're going right after those two. I mean, people in our space, you sign them within to it, but it's not across the whole world. Like it, there's not billions of people using it. And this is, this is, this is Apple going straight at Facebook and straight at Google. That's why they buried it. So, so but you yeah. found it, you caught it. How did you find this? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think I saw a tweet. It's like, I, I just, it caught my eye and I was like, that's interesting. Like that's going to impact us. Um, I, I didn't go, I, I'm not an Apple fanboy. I wasn't reading Apple press releases and all this well, stuff. You don't even have a I Mac. Just, I, it caught my, somehow it caught my eye. Yeah, I don't have a Mac. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? What else? I got, um, oh, speaking of security, uh, remember I was talking about the NSA last week and how, uh, a hacking tool that they... Can you stop talking about them? Okay. We're going to get in trouble. <laughs> well, no, so this is a positive story. The NSA issued an advisory oh, okay. uh, this week about a different flaw called Blue Keep. Uh, I can't even remember what the one last week was called, but this is different. So it's another, yet another Microsoft Windows flaw. It is super, super critical and has just been... Microsoft just released a patch for it in May. And something like a million computers still are not protected. They have not been updated. This only affects computers that are not running Windows 8 or Windows 10. So it's earlier versions. If you're on like Windows 7 and before, you have to update your computer's ASAP because apparently this vulnerability would allow malware to spread all over the internet. Like this could be as bad as WannaCry was in 2017. So if if your firm or you know is running earlier versions of Windows, you got to update. Um, and it's very unusual for the NSA to issue an advisory like this. They almost never do it. I think it's only the third time uh, that they've issued an advisory. And so there's a question as to, is this connected in some way to like another leak, maybe that hasn't been disclosed yet? Uh, why would they be doing this instead of the Department of Homeland Security? Whatever the reason, update your computers. And it's not a paid press thing no. from Microsoft or anything like that? Where Not at all. Well, I don't think Microsoft would really want to be paying for this kind of publicity. <laughs> Well, yeah, they, but they want people to upgrade. Oh, they yeah. Want that well, that's cycle. the thing. That's why. That's one of the reasons why it's important to upgrade, right? And uh, it is because of the security vulnerabilities in old software that isn't supported. My three-year-old downstairs is losing his mind. He thinks I left him. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. I have the exact same problem when I'm recording at home, where like I'll lock the door to my guest room slash office, and my son will just like come and start pounding on the door. 
you know, Laura Lynn, if you play an episode of the Cloud Accounting podcast, he'll just be bored to death and he'll just go. <laughs> he'll just fall back to sleep. <laughs> right, right. No worries. Uh, well, we we can continue, and I'll just edit out any noise if if we need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, that works. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, where were we? What did we leave off with? I just forgot. We were talking about the. Um, NSA. I have a, a quick little small one. Okay. Or a fast story. Um, it's kind of big news, though, uh, because I think the stats are interesting in it. ATAX fan- franchise and loyalty brands are joining forces to expand their nation, to expand nationwide and serve the 2.13 trillion US Latino market. This article is really good uh, because it has a lot of stats that maybe people aren't aware of. For example, um, did you know that in the last decade, U.S. Latinos launched 86% of all new businesses in the United States. I, living in Southern California, that does not surprise me, but I had no idea it was so high. Yeah. Same thing in Arizona. I'm not surprised. but That's insane. It is, I mean, that's yeah. pushing 90%. 86% is, is, is really, 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 really high. Um, and they are addressing it. They, they're basically, they're, they're, their point of view is there's no clear service provider focused on servicing the U.S. Latino community when it comes to tax services and mm-hmm. individuals and business services like payroll and bookkeeping on a nationwide basis. So they're really um, taking what I think smaller firms are doing locally, right? I'm sure in Southern California, there's firms focusing on Latino community, right? But they're, there's nobody trying to do it nationwide and they're going to... So would it be fair to, to say these this. guys are like the, you know, Latino-focused H&R Block? Is that what they're... Is it retail tax? Is that what this is? It's going to be tax. It's going to be some advising. It's going to be payroll and bookkeeping. So it's going to be full service uh, for individuals and businesses. And they want to push for 400 locations by the end of 2021. So this is really interesting because we've been talking a lot with TurboTax Online and with... QuickBooks Online about the decline of retail tax and the decline of, uh, you know, the freelance bookkeeper or, or or independent bookkeeper due to these platforms. But maybe this is the niche kind of approach that will w- succeed in that world, right? I mean, because unless, of course, Intuit goes and creates you know, TurboTax Espanol, um, <laughs> which they have before, <laughs> they, they they may have done it twice. Um, and it just, uh, it, it never really got a traction in the market. Interesting. Well, so, uh, that's, that's really cool. So I think it just proves your point, David, that the riches are in the niches. As always. Yes. <laughs> Can I talk about a accounting poll I ran on Twitter? You ran your own poll. All right. Yeah. yeah let's hear it. I did. Okay. And, and it got 79 votes. So a pretty sizable section of all accountants. I mean, I think we could almost call that scientific. I think so too. I think our sample size was large enough, but it just yeah. it just popped into my head. I said, um, do you let clients choose their accounting software? And so 11% said, yes, they let them choose. 56% said, hell nah. And then 33% said, yes, if they pay me lots. So that's actually 44% are still letting the client dictate what the accounting software was. And that, I just thought that was interesting. It was It seemed high to me. Just because I know well, internally. Oh, go ahead. What's at your firm then? What do you guys oh, do? Oh, we control it. And I'm very clear. And it's like, this is my sandbox. If you want to work with me, you're coming into my sandbox. And it's it's systems that I like that make me efficient. Well, you, know? you are very disciplined. And you know that sweet, sweet cash can make it really hard to turn down a client <laughs> if they want to stay on a particular application. 
So, yeah, you know, well, and too, we've, we've spent a lot of time over the past year building out our workflows and making them very specific, very detailed. And then to have to do that over multiple accounting softwares, it's just it'd be a pain in the butt. Doing it for one was hard enough. Yeah, I, I agree completely. That's that's the big benefit of standardizing on a particular app. Like you said earlier in the show, you have your workflow where it goes from the GL into tax and it saves you like five hours per return. Yeah which is insane. And, and it, so it totally makes sense. You would, you would want to have every client on that workflow. Uh, it just, otherwise just doesn't scale up. Yep, exactly. And, and what I've never understood of like the psychology of this um, is I really truly feel like if I go see a doctor, I don't dictate at all what tools they're going to do. Like I don't even dictate what they do to me a little bit. Right. And, and you kind of do, right. You choose your doctor, but then they decide they're going to do something and they're just going to do it. Right. And you don't have any say. And a lot of professions are like that. Right. But accountants, for some reason, let themselves get bullied. Right. The client's like, I'm going to use this. I don't care if it's a DOS program because we see this, right. Some law firm will still be using some DOS program to print out their invoices. And then the accountant has to like scan these invoices, like using auto entry to get them to QuickBooks online because they can't get the law firm to stop using this old DOS software. And so like, I don't understand like where, why accountants is this, is this a human nature thing? Like should the CPA exam have like <laughs> we're, a We're just too nice. Section? We need to be assholes. Like, you know, we need I to. I think so. <laughs> Like, when, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a lot of doctors are like that, at least surgeons that I've met. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We all do that. All of us need to have more of a doctor complex. That would be really good for the industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had clients who actually for like moral and ethical reasons or potential clients who did not want to use Intuit because kind of some of the stuff we've been talking about, you know, has been going back years with them with some like the shady tax practices and lobbying for certain things. And, you know, I just had to tell him, I'm like, sorry, like I, I use Intuit, like good luck, go find another accountant. Mm -hmm. Like I respect that. I respect that you're standing on your ground and your morals, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to feed my family as well. well it, it totally makes sense to me. So Lauren Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. I think that's all the time we've got this week. If people want to connect with you online, learn more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? The best place to find me is going to be on Twitter. My handle is at Lauralyn Wilson. And I'm in there goofing off, having fun. So if you get offended easily, maybe don't come check me out. But if you love fun, absolutely come follow me. You have some of your own hashtags as well, right? I do. I do. Probably the biggest one too. Well, now that Game of Thrones is over, but I did have hashtag accountants who goat, which is not as applicable anymore. And then the other one is hashtags accountants who health. I'm pretty big into health and fitness, but at the same time, I'll go on there and use that hashtag in a tongue in cheek way as well. So. All right. Well, I will be the accountant who doesn't health. <laughs> accountants who don't health. Accountants who don't health. Uh, and, and we'll see who gets the bigger following. Uh, <laughs> you will. <laughs> uh, but I have, uh, you know, I, I was doing really well for a while and then I just fell off the wagon and I haven't worked out in weeks. So uh, I'm going to have to get back into it. Maybe you can inspire me. Tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. Well, Blake, you're going to bring, I'll bring sardines for you. Yes. At the, at the conferences. This that's, a, that's the problem for me is conference season is I, I, that's where I screw up because I'm flying and I use the plane as the excuse just to eat all the junk food they hand me. And <laughs> I have my Southwest drink tickets. I'm like, I got to use these before they expire. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and then I get to the hotel and yeah. I'm like, oh, I got to go find the the treadmill. It doesn't happen. You know, my, my clock is all screwed up. Like that's the big challenge for me. So, 
So what I'm hearing is at ZeroCon, you need an exercise instructor. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I need. Can you give me a wake up call and then uh, yeah, let's hit the wake like, room. do the boot camp <laughs> thing where like you just like throw me out of bed. You and you're like, burpees, going. Yeah, you do burpees so you vomit and do sprints. Yeah, we'll do this. All right, sounds good. Well, now I'm really looking forward to ZeroCon. <laughs> Uh, and, you'll be hiding from me, won't you? Yeah, and, and you will be there. We'll see you at ZeroCon. And are, are you going to any other conferences this year, Laurelyn? Uh, probably the only other one I'll be at will be QB Connect All right. in the in November. Well, yeah. That's great. I'll see you there as well. Awesome. Cool. Um, and David, if people want to connect with you online, where should they go? Um, you can find me on Twitter as well. The easiest way is at David Leary. And I am at Blake T. Oliver. And don't forget that you can follow us on Facebook. You can connect with us on LinkedIn and almost every social media platform imaginable. No, that's not true. We're not on Snapchat. We're not on Instagram because who would want to look at us like recording the Cloud Accounting <laughs> podcast? I still haven't figured that out yet. So we haven't cracked that. I, I have our I plan for Instagram oh, you do because I record in the closet. I'll just put on like a different outfit and... You know, It'll just be a series a of little... pictures of you in your closet <laughs> with different clothes. There's, there's, there's at least I at least in this closet have 250 Instagram photos. We can It'll be David's wardrobe. That's great. All right. Well, thanks, thanks again, Laurelyn, and uh, we'll see you soon, David. Talk to you later. Bye. Right, that was fun. Bye. Bye.